AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. There's still time to get yourself entered for some pretty sweet hoops tickets through the KDOS 1060 app. Download it today, key component, register, and you are then eligible to get yourself entered into that contest. There's still a few more days left to go in that contest. Let's reset the scene here quickly with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which involves the game at Dallas between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Who wins? The Cowboys continue their lead now at 57% of the vote, and the Eagles trailing at 43%. We'll officially provide our answer to this question around 1230 today, so still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Let's toss it on over to Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. Bob had a conversation with Bob Nightingale, USA Today, talking about Shohei Otani and where might be the place that Shohei Otani plays in 2024. The question, which team is best fit for him? The Dodgers, Giants, or Blue Jays are the options. Blue Jays lead the way at 65.2% of the vote. Dodgers trailing at 24.1% and the Giants at 10.7% of the vote. You can always podcast that interview with Bob Nightingale at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. We'll officially answer that Twitter poll question also around 12. 30. We'll make room at 12.15 for Brian Lewis from Pro Football Network to join us to talk all things NFL props for week 14. We also have our $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits on the line. We're looking to win four in a row, so if you are today's winner, make sure you're coming with your weekend play as the objective is to win as many games as we can for money for charity at season's end. As it is for Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, certified Angus Beef Choice tri- Chip Roast at twelve ninety nine a pound, eight ounce bacon wrapped boneless prime pork chops at two for twelve dollars, and fresh all natural jumbo party style chicken wings at four ninety nine a pound. Those are the weekend specials. Two three nine zero North Alma School in Chandler or vonhansensmeats.net. Let's continue to roll into the NFL slate of action for Friday spread, and we'll go to Chicago with the Lions in town. Lions minus three, Bears plus three, over under sitting at 43 and a half. Justin Fields ran for 104 yards in the first meeting between these two teams a few weeks ago. The Lions defense, though, is giving up a ton of yards and points over the last month. Meanwhile, since Fields has returned, uh, passing the ball with his thumb injury here, he's not really pushing the ball down the field, ranking 31st in air yards since week 11. Conversely, for the Lions, they may not have their center, but Amon Ross St. Brown, he continues to have himself great games against the Bears, uh, and he's likely to have one again. Jared Goff needs to take care of the football. Yeah, that center is Frank Ragnall, who is uh, you know, considered by some to be the best center in the NFL, and at least as of yesterday, it wasn't looking terribly promising that he was going to play. Uh, earlier this week, when I was hoping he might play, 
Uh, would have been on Detroit in this game. Now I'm off this game entirely. I'm not going to jump on the Bears because uh, I just don't think they're any good. Uh, but also you got some horrible wind, uh, wind, con- uh, con- uh, wind conditions here, uh, up to 30 miles per hour. A wintry mix and wind chill. Uh, those were two of my least favorite terms when I was living in Chicago. In fact, they were my two least favorite terms when I was living in Chicago. Apparently, those are going to play a role on Sunday, too, so good luck. Uh, the Texans and the Jets. Texans minus 3.5, Jets plus 3.5, over-under sitting at 33.5. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Back to start for the Jets, it's Zach Wilson. But guess what? The offensive line suddenly didn't improve. Uh, Brees Hall, he's been on the injury report with an ankle not practicing. So is it Dalvin Cook time? And he certainly has been less than dynamic this season. As it is for the Texans, they'll be moving forward without wide receiver Tank Dell. Also, Dalton Schultz was limited on Wednesday and then not practicing on Thursday. That's not the direction you want to see for Dalton Schultz here. Can the offensive line protect C.J. Stroud? And can C.J. Stroud be good on the road, which really he's been great at home for the most part and not so good on the road even when he's had receivers and when the offensive line has been semi-healthy. So I can't get on Houston for that reason. Uh, This is actually kind of a reunion fest with a bunch of uh, former San Francisco 49ers coaches right on both sides of the ball. (laughs) So uh, there's got to be some similarity. They're familiar with each other for sure. Uh, this is another bad weather game, including some strong wind forecast here. So if you're going to get involved in betting on any of these games, I would strongly suggest check the weather on Sunday morning because most of these bed lo- bad lo- uh, weather locations we're talking about here, the weather can change, uh, change rather quickly. So, But it didn't look good. I looked last night. It looked like, a, you know, once again, strong winds and yeah, you got know, you know, one quarterback who's not been good on the road, and you got one quarterback who's not good home or away in Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't like that hook, so that's not something I'm interested in at this point in time. For the Seahawks and the 49ers, Seahawks plus 10.5, 49ers minus 10.5, over-under sitting at 46.5. Geno Smith, he's 0-3 as a starter against the 49ers. The 49ers obviously just walloped the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. Could there be a little bit of a letdown, though, coming off of such a huge and emotional win against the Seahawks for the 49ers? But in reality, the 49ers have all their players healthy right now, and they're really just rolling and making it look effortless on the offensive side of the ball. As it is for the Seahawks, they do give up 119.3 yards per game on the ground. They're not all healthy. Eric Armstead, is, uh, he's out. Uh, in fact, he might be out multiple weeks, according uh, to uh, Shanahan earlier this week, but he's definitely well, he's not defense. playing this week. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, okay, I'm sorry, I apologize if I misunderstood that. Uh, but, you know, he's a key to their defense, and yeah, he's definitely out of this game. On the other hand, we have no idea who the running back is for Seattle. It's also a Pete Carroll game, so we're never going to really know until the game actually starts probably who the running back might be. Uh, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet uh, both injured uh, the last couple of weeks, and they were both uh, – unavailable by the end you know, walker's been out at least two week two games now and charbonnet got injured last week and wasn't able to return uh you mentioned uh the uh geno smith they, these have been non-competitive games uh the last two years all three actually it's four games now uh and you know geno didn't even start in one of those games but 
they've uh, you know it's four games they played the last two years and uh counting last year in the playoffs and uh you really see the seahawks redid their entire roster to try to figure out how to compete with san francisco and uh based on the first game i know the score was closer than it might sound but they weren't competitive in that game either the Vikings and the Raiders. Vikings minus three, Raiders plus three, over under sitting at 40 and a half. Joshua Dobbs, he gets another start for the Vikings coming off of a bye. Also, it looks like here he could be getting Justin Jefferson to throw the ball to. He's been practicing all week. Looks like he could be trending in the direction of coming off of IR. This is an interesting little tidbit, though. The Vikings have turned the ball over on 19.6% of their drives in the four games since Kirk Cousins got hurt. That's not great. Meanwhile, Max Crosby has not practiced yet this week for the Raiders, uh, and he's obviously a key component to getting some pressure on the opposing quarterback. But he was just on TV here uh, on NFL Network, so I assume since he's doing an interview on television that he thinks he's going to play. I didn't get to hear it because we've been doing the show here, but he literally was just on the last segment of this NFL Insider segment on uh on uh, NFL Network, so I'm guessing he's going to play. Anyway, uh, this Antonio Pierce culture garbage, that worked out great when they were playing the Jets and the Giants. Uh, they've gone 0-2 against professional teams since then when they played Miami and Kansas City. Uh, so good luck with the uh, the the, uh, the culture, you know, the, uh, the Raiders being improved. Uh, as long as you maybe you know, I joked a couple weeks ago, maybe they can play Rutgers in that, uh, their New Jersey team. Maybe that could actually, uh, the culture will continue, uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, basically, you mentioned the fact that Dobbs is going to be the quarterback, but you know, I found it was very curious. O'Connell this week said that Dobbs will be the stay the starter this week. Remember they had a bye last week, and there was the Nick Mullins and Jalen Hall talk and whatever, and then just a couple of days ago, they said that he would be the starter. Dobbs would be, or O'Connell said that he'd be the starter this week. He didn't really promise anything past this week. The Broncos and the Chargers. Broncos plus two and a half. Chargers minus two and a half. Over under sitting at 43 and a half. Brandon Staley saying this week, hinting this week, that Austin Eckler's carries are going to start to dwindle here. If you just look yeah. at it in the six. Six to nothing win for the Chargers over the Patriots. Eckler had 14 carries for 18 yards. Josh Kelly, six carries for 16 yards. In the 20 to 10 loss to the Ravens, Eckler, 10 carries, 32 yards. Kelly, three carries, eight yards. In the 23 to 20 loss to the Packers, Eckler, 10 carries, 64 yards. Kelly, six carries, 13 yards. Meanwhile, the Chargers defense is giving up 113.8 yards per game on the ground and 265.8 yards per game through the air. The Broncos have really been embracing their own ground game with Javante Williams and also sprinkling in some designed runs for Russell Wilson. Okay, I'll take this Eckler thing even further. If you go back to week one, uh, when he actually got injured the first time, he's averaged more than 3.5 yards per carry in one game. This season, since week one, and this has been, uh, you know, we do our prop bet segment in the next uh, segment. This I brought him up the last two weeks, and, you know, that's been good so far. And there might be a, a reference in the next segment about Austin Eckler and prop bets, in, in, uh, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> 
The Bills and the Chiefs. Bills plus one and a half. Chiefs minus one and a half. Over under sitting at 48 and a half. The Chiefs have won three of the last five matchups since 2020. All have been super close. The Bills are coming off of a bye, so how will that help or change anything on offense? James Cook, 60.9 yards per game on the ground. Also, a little fun fact, the Bills lead the NFL with 79 points off of turnovers. We all know the history here with the drops for Kansas City's wide receivers, and how do they get that offense figured out? I think the James Cook number is really misleading because one of those run plays, quote-unquote, was actually ruled a lateral, and he got like 60 yards. (laughs) So if you kind of – it's tough to remove one play from numbers and so forth, but if you did – uh, those numbers would not nearly be as impressive. Uh, Josh Allen, I just wonder if he can actually play four quarters of good football against a good team. Because quite frankly, the last two years, we have seldom see, uh, seen him do uh, be a consistent quarterback against good teams. He's thrown at least one pick in nine straight games now. Uh, and I just you know, I can't invest in Josh Allen in a big game. And... Uh, I just don't trust him. Uh, We will save the other big game for in-depth conversation about that in today's KDOS1060.com poll question. So we'll do that here around 1230. But for now, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Brian Blewis from Pro Football Network, PFNBetting.com for all things NFL prop bet conversation. Looking forward to catching up with Brian and figuring out some cool plays for the weekend. It is Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We still have the $100 gift certificate available to you as it is for Von Hansen's uh, weekend specials. Certified Angus Beef Choice Tri-Tip Roast at $12.99 a pound. Eight-ounce bacon-wrapped boneless prime pork chops at two for $12. And fresh all-natural jumbo party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. Brian Lewis coming up next here in The Extra Point. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Excited to be popping on out to the KDOS hotline, joined by Brian Lewis, Pro Football Network, pfnbetting.com for the weekly prop bet segment as we're trying to find some winners here for week 14 in the NFL. Brian, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you today? I'm great. You know, there's two things throwing a big wrench in the player props this week. It's a lot of bad weather and a lot of bad quarterbacks. <laughs> You're not wrong there. So we're making uh, it's making our jobs a little bit more difficult, but I have some faith in us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Cardinals, they're on a bye this week, so I don't get to start with the local team this week. Instead, I'll head on over to uh, Baltimore with the Rams traveling across the country to play the Ravens, who are coming off of a bye. OBJ going up against his former team. This Ravens defense has been very, very good on defense. Matthew Stafford's numbers, he's sitting at 203 and a half yards, uh, passing yards, that is. The Ravens have limited some very good quarterbacks this season, limiting Justin Herbert 
convert to just 217 yards the week before their bye. They limited Geno Smith. They limited Jared Goff. So what do we do with Stafford? And conversely for the Ravens, uh, Keaton Mitchell, 42 and a half rushing yards. Is he the guy getting the carries now? Yeah, when you mentioned the line for Stafford's passing yards, I like thought it was incorrect for a second because it seems so low. And then I go to DraftKings, that's exactly where it's at. So even though I expected it to be low, I didn't expect it to be this low because the Rams, like e- even with the matchups, so they still have Puka Nakua, they still have Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford's still playing a really high level. But you mentioned how this Ravens defense has been shutting down a lot of elite quarterbacks this season. And then especially at home as well, too. And we've seen Stafford struggle against these good teams this season, particularly 49ers, the Cowboys, even struggle with the Eagles. So biggest thing the Rams is they struggle with these pass rushes, but the Ravens, as good as their defense is, don't really have an elite pass rush. So with that line being so low, it could be worth the flyer if you think that game's just going to work in your favor with a seven-half point spread. And when it comes to the Ravens rushing attack, Mitchell feels like the boomer bust type guy. He's got a lot of speed, got a lot of big playability, but he's also starting to get more of the carries. And uh, pretty surprised to see his line be higher for his rushing yards than Gus Edwards, especially when I don't think it's necessarily be a close game with the Ravens being there by more than a touchdown. But it seems like this is like kind of buying high on Mitchell here, but he's he's not really volume dependent at least too. Okay, I'm going back to the Austin Eckler question again. This is, I believe, three straight weeks I've actually brought him up. Brandon Staley on Wednesday talked about getting some more touches this week for the backup, Joshua Kelly. So is it time to maybe end our Eckler run here? Or they are playing the Broncos' defense, which rush defense, they have not been good. So I'm confused. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm not really going to touch his proper this game because of everything that you mentioned. It's kind of two different narratives colliding. It's like Eckler going to lose more touches as a runner and also going against his Broncos defense. But his line's a 49 and a half. That's pretty much, that's like slightly higher than it's been in recent weeks. I think they're taking, they're overvaluing the matchup here with Eckler. He really hasn't been efficient at all as a runner this season. And the Chargers are sitting at five and seven. They're a playoff long shot. Brent Staley's fighting for his job at this rate. Eckler's only gone over his number three times a season, and one of those is in week one. And maybe he hasn't been the same player since with the injury. So I really do buy the fact that Chargers are going to try new things because they're in desperation mode, and that could be less carries for Eckler, who's had at least 10 in every single game since he's come back from injury, and he's had at least 14 in all but two of those games. I will stay with this particular game here and flip it to the Broncos side of things. We've really seen the Broncos lean into the run game, including some opportunities for Russell Wilson here. Uh, But his number has ballooned, I think, reflective of that to 26 and a half yards. Meanwhile, for the Broncos, uh, his number in the passing game is 212 and a half yards. And the Chargers have been very susceptible to the pass game. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the rushing props for him, I have a really hard time picking them for Russell Wilson because unlike guys like Jalen Hurts, for example, he doesn't really have many design runs. A lot of it comes from scrambles, I feel like. And even though the match here gets really bad Chargers pass defense, the thing with Russ as a passer this year is that he's really not like a high-volume completions guy. He's either going to throw checkdowns or take deep shots downfield. So if you want to this Chargers passing defense. I'll look, I'll look at his longest completion instead, just because it really takes a lot of pass attempts for Russ to go over a number to go over any passing yards number, and he just doesn't really have the volume nowadays. 
along those lines, maybe a Cortland Sutton touchdown, anytime touchdown, would that maybe be the better option? Yeah, I think that's a good option for sure, just because we've seen how efficient Russ has been as a passer in the red zone this season. And of all the players on the Broncos, his favorite target in that area has been Cortland Sutton. Just looking at the red zone target share, he has 32% of the red zone target share. That's nearly double the next best player on the Broncos and Jerry Judy at 17%. Brian Blue is Pro Football Network, PFNbetting.com, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, the Colts, they're traveling to the Bengals. In his first two starts, Jake Browning uh, struggled a bit against the Steelers there. Then he lit it up against the Jaguars. In fact, he was tremendous against the Blitz against the Jags. His number is currently sitting at 227 and a half yards. Do we really just not have enough sample size here with Browning to feel confident about what he'll do? And then conversely here for the Colts, Alec Pierce got back involved last week. Was that just kind of a one one-game wonder for him sitting at 27 and a half yards. Yeah, I think I agree with your comments on both of those players. I think I don't want to have to jump the gun too soon on Jake Browning and find out it was a one-game wonder with him kind of catching defenses by surprise without having much film on him. And I understand Alec Pierce would just be one game, but it is interesting to note that the spread has flipped for this game since Monday Night Football, and actually as of this morning, the Colts were originally a three-point favor before Monday night. And then it dropped to one half, and now the Bengals are two-point favorites. So that's a five-point swing, which is pretty drastic. Pretty amazing in itself. Obviously, uh, the uh, Bengals' surprising performance on Monday night made a difference there. Uh, C.J. Yeah. Stroud, he's, he has slowed down some. Uh, now without Tank Dell, uh, his road numbers haven't been nearly as good as his home numbers I was going to ask you this before I saw the weather forecast, which doesn't seem to be good uh, in the uh, in uh, New Jersey on uh, Sunday. So maybe Stroud under passing yards against the good Jets defense. Yeah, you mentioned it. I was going to bring that up before you got to it. So you'd be into the punch about the difference in Stroud's numbers on the road versus at home. It's skewed a little bit because there's a couple bad starts in the road earlier in the season versus Stroud before he really came along, particularly against the Ravens in week one, and he struggled against the Panthers in that one game, which, which the one game the Panthers did win this season. But at the same time, I think that was a pretty big loss to this Texans offense. It's kind of like C.J. Stroud has been doing a real – what's been most impressed about C.J. Stroud, not just that he's in the rookie, but he doesn't have that much talent around him on offense. So losing one of your best receivers to already thin receiving core is going to be a major hit for sure too. He also hasn't played on the road in a while. They've had three straight home games with Texans then. Even as bad as the Jets team is, their defense still has a very high ceiling week to week, particularly against the pass. And it's a low line at 215 and a half, but that might be a trap considering if you're just a generic better first instinct look at that line, you're thinking, oh, that's an easy over. But at that type of line, I'll almost lean towards the under here in a game that thinks be very low scoring. Along those lines with C.J. Stroud here, uh, this, the the area in which the Jets have been susceptible has been through the run game, the run defense. Uh, so is this a Damian Pierce type game or is Devin Singletary starting to get a few more looks? Uh, their numbers 39 and a half and 33 and a half. Yeah, I don't know if I trust either guy enough in this spot just because overall the Texans rushing offense has been fairly inefficient this season. I mean, Terry is only averaging 4.1 yards per carry, and Damian Pierce is only averaging 3 yards per carry. And the longest run between each of them is only 22 yards. They really haven't been 
that reliable down to down. They really don't have big playability either. So even though I definitely get your point that the way to beat this Jets defense is on their ground, I don't have enough confidence in either of those guys really. Okay, DeAndre Swift, uh, obviously not good against the Cowboys in the first meeting, 18 carries for just 43 yards, had two fumbles in that game in addition. The Cowboys' run defense has been pretty good every week, except against the Cardinals and James Conner here. Uh, is the, the under, rod, under yards prop for uh, Swift worth taking a shot at? You know what? I'm actually on the over for DeAndre Swift. This is very Ooh. low right now at 49 and a half, and – I'll correct one thing with the fumble. One of those is purely on A.J. Brown that game where he just ran right into him when he went into motion. They definitely yeah. got lucky there. Well, they were gotten unlucky if the Cowboys recovered it, but they got they were lucky to recover that in their own territory. But I think that Swift will have a bounce-back week, particularly because I don't know if you guys saw that there's, there's Eagles fans waiting outside the facility holding signs up that said, run the damn ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm an Eagle, I've been an Eagles fan for close to 20 years now, and no matter what happens when they lose, it's always because they don't run the ball enough. This is dating back to, like, <laughs> the early Andy Reid days. It's always because they didn't run the ball. And there's some validity to that. I mean, they're very they're really inefficient on the ground against the Niners last week, but they really weren't having the, the – they didn't really have the best game plan running the ball against that probably 49ers team. They should have made a more concerted effort to keep that offense off the field with how gassed the Eagles defense has been in recent weeks and they played over 90 snaps against the Bills. But I like it for DeAndre Swift here for two reasons. One, Dallas Goddard being back is going to be a huge boost, not just in the receiving game, but he's a great blocker to tight end position too. And also just the line's so low and Swift really isn't volume dependent. He could break off big runs on any given on any given play really. And while you did mention that Cowboys overall have a good run defense, except against the Cardinals. I still think that's their weak spot on D. I mean, if you're looking at the advanced metrics, they're 30th in success rate in defending the run. So if there's any way the Eagles could win this matchup, it's going to keep Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb off the field because, as we all know, they've been maybe the most unstoppable duo in the NFL in recent weeks, and especially at home. And this Eagles defense is not well equipped to, to shut them down by any means. So, I'm looking at it get back to their roots of just maintaining long drives and it starts with DeAndre Swift. Brian Blue is Pro Football Network, PFNBetting.com. And now that we know about your Eagles here, I feel a little bit bad about where I'm going with this next set of questions here on the, the Cowboys side of things. So CeeDee Lamb's number is out of this world, sitting at 92 and a half yards. But this morning I heard a stat that the Eagles – are giving up an average of 88 yards per game to wide receiver one this season. So uh, do you kind of maybe then say, hey, that's too high of a number here. Brandon Cooks has been getting a little bit of a look here, 46 and a half yards for him. And we had also touched on this with Jake Ferguson being a target for Dak Prescott in the end zone. The particular week we touched on it, he didn't get in the end zone, but he's since gone in the end zone every week since then. He's at plus 125 anytime touchdown wow it's kind of crazy the correction on jake ferguson he was in the 200s for a while and i took that two weeks in a row didn't hit the first week then hit it the next but i mean you saw even though if you remember the last game he was tackled a yard short not even a yard short maybe like an inch short mm-hmm. of the goal line so he blew his opportunity to score a touchdown then and this eagles defense is the worst in the nfl at defending tight ends by dvoa so that's definitely not a bad play at all too there might be a bit of an overcorrection, though, of the odds, but still plus money. And to your point about C.D. Lamb, I mean, 
I don't. I just don't see any way how the Eagles do shut him down. If they do, then it's not something any of us could have predicted. I mean, he went for almost 200 yards in his last matchup, and the thing that CeeDee Lamb has a big advantage about in this matchup compared to some other players at his position is that they play him all over the field. He could play outside, he could play in the slot, and the Eagles don't use their top corners to shadow the top their opposing wide receiver. You never see Darius play the slot. You never play in the slot. And some really inexperienced players for CeeDee Lamb to really take advantage of it. Dak has been bowled home this season, too, and the Cowboys are averaging 40 points per game at home. So I don't really, I'd be shocked if CeeDee Land doesn't go for at least 100 yards. Coming to bounce back to this Bengals and Colts game, uh, the Bengals defense has allowed at least one rushing touchdown in the eight of the last nine games. So maybe Zach Moss, anytime touchdown? I mean, yeah, I don't, I got, I got to check out what his odds are, but obviously there's no Jonathan Taylor here. So that seems like an obvious play just because. Of how, just because you mentioned with the Bengals running defense, I'm looking at the odds right now. It's at minus 155. That might be a little too rich for my blood. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's a little high. Yeah, okay. The uh, Bills and the Chiefs, these games, when they play each other, are always close. Uh, the passing numbers for Patrick Mahomes, 261.5 yards. Josh Allen, 253.5 yards. Uh, you know, I, I think this kind of comes down to, one, do you trust the wide receivers to catch Patrick Mahomes' pass? And then what do you think game theory is going to be in terms of hitting these numbers? So what way do you lean for these quarterbacks? Well, with the game theory, do you know that uh... – it was just reported that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be out this game. I did not know that Ooh. part. That is a massive thing. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's a big deal for sure, too. I just don't think the other Chiefs running backs are capable of um, really delivering on a run-heavy script. So I really think that Andy Reid and company have to get really creative in scheming these receivers open, particularly Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. But I just don't, I don't want to – for this one, I might just enjoy the game because it's just an incredible matchup. For me as an NFC fan, I have no blood in the. I have, I have no emotional attachment here. Just want a good game in this one. But at the same time, Josh Allen, when we last saw him, looked unstoppable against the Eagles. And if you take out like record team performance this year, he might be the best quarterback in the NFL this season from an on field performance standpoint. And as good as Chiefs defense is, Allen's a matchup proof quarterback. So I could see him having a really big game here with the Bills being really desperate and fighting and basically having their playoff hopes on thin ice. And if they lose this one, it'd be a really hard path to make it to the postseason. And at the same time with um, with the Chiefs, I mean, it's hard to, to bet against Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs two weeks in a row. And for them to have any fight in this game, they're really going to need him to be heroic in the passing game. Yeah, just to add to the confusion, you mentioned Pacheco out, also Tranquil's out. Uh, you know, Brian Cook's out, the safety for Kansas City, and also left tackle Donathan Smith. They're all out yeah. uh, for Kansas City this week. One, other, one last thing for me, uh, Justin Jefferson's back. He's never played a snap in a game with Josh Dobbs, so any ideas if we should try to attack the Vikings passing game here? Yeah, I mean, his line's really low at 65 and a half, and Jeff, Jefferson's yeah. so good that, He's got to be quarterback-proof, right? And I think they'd be really healthy for this one. They seem to be pretty conservative with how they um, handled his injury. I mean, he probably could have started before the bye week, but they wanted to wait till he's 100%. Then they had an additional week of rest. So I think it would be really well. I think it would be really um, healthy for this one. He's not going to have the injury really affecting him. And even though it's Josh Dobbs, I mean, 
you only need 66 yards from Jefferson. You're never going to see a line like that for him again. Brian, before we let you go, anything we haven't touched on, anytime touchdown score, passing yards, receiving yards, rushing yards that you like for week 14? No, I just will say that I'm disappointed to see the odds for her to score a touchdown aren't in my territory of where uh, falling into my rule of if it's minus 110 or longer, just take it no matter what. It hit last week, but a minus 140, that might be a little too high for my liking. I was going to say, you were dead on in accuracy last week with Jalen Hurts, but yeah, minus 140 is a little steep. Yeah, I would play in the same game parlay maybe for that game. I mean, just take CD Lamb overs. And one thing I forgot to mention for this game, too, or something we didn't talk about is rarely do you see for quarterbacks that are passing touchdowns line to be above one and a half. And Prescott's of this game is over two and a half at plus 130 at DraftKings. I think wow. it's plus 150 <laughs> at FanDuel. And that might seem high, but I really like the plus money on that one. I mean, he threw for three touchdowns in this last matchup, despite having two completions fall just short of the goal line. And since then, there's been no reason to believe that Eagles defense is going to be any better. I mean, they, did at, they didn't have Bradley Roby for that game. They'll have Shaq Leonard for this one. That was Kevin Byard's second game on the team. But none of those reasons are enough for me to not think that Shaq could throw for three or more touchdowns, especially when – He's averaging three pass touchdowns per game at home this season. So to get a lot, to get very good value on that, I would much rather take stacks over for two and a half passing touchdowns than a one and a half at like minus 200 or something. Brian, as always, we greatly appreciate your time and looking forward to doing it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Once again, he is Brian Blewis, Pro Football Network. Follow all of their work over at pfnbetting.com. All right, it's time for you to be today's $100 gift certificate winner to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. If you are caller number 2-602-260-1060, you are today's winner, 602-260-1060. If you are today's winner, make sure you're coming with your weekend play. We're looking to go four in a row for our weekend plays money going to charity at season's end as it is for our friends at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits they're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler the weekend specials for you certified Angus beef choice tri-tip roast at $12.99 a pound eight ounce bacon wrapped boneless prime pork chops at two for $12 and fresh all natural jumbo party style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound We'll get into poll questions on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen Meats and Spirits. Caller number 2-602-260-1060. We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Twelve forty-four on this Friday, December eighth. Bob Camp, Caleb Mortolaro here with you in the extra point. Congratulations to our winner of the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits one hundred dollar gift certificate. The weekend play as well. 49ers minus ten and a half. Going with the heavy favorite theme here, but as we pointed out, Geno Smith as starting quarterback for the Seahawks is zero and three right now against the 49ers, and we've seen what the 49ers have been doing. Just a couple of weeks ago on Thanksgiving night and last Sunday to the Eagles. So that's what we'll be rooting for this weekend. On to the poll questions. And we continue with the NFL conversation, the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins on Sunday in Dallas, the Cowboys or the Eagles? 
I'm going to go Cowboys. Uh, tw- I'm going to go 30 to 23. Right now, they have the quarterback that's playing at the higher level. They have the offensive line, which is healthier. That's a big deal. And uh, that offensive line has been very effective in recent games since they've been back intact, uh, really since the last time they played the Eagles, which was, uh, you know, they had a right tackle situation in that game, obviously. And that was the biggest reason they lost the first game to the Eagles. I would assume they'll, uh, you know, get them a little more, uh, you know, either tight end or running back chipping help on the uh, Eagles pass rush from that side of the line. So uh, I would assume that would be a pretty easy uh, an obvious uh, you know, change from the first time. Both defenses, quite frankly, have uh, issues. That kind of explains my high score and why the odds maker has this total in the low 50s. Uh, however, uh, you know, got lucky earlier this week and laid three. Uh, those all seem to be gone at this point. Uh, so I have no interest uh, in you know, suggesting that you lay three and a half. Maybe if you'd like to be interested in buying a half point down, uh, maybe that would be an option for you. Uh, but uh, I think the Cowboys win the game. And, uh, you know, the Mike McCarthy thing uh, kind of, uh, you know, dampers my enthusiasm a little bit. If for some reason he's not there on Sunday, by the way, McCarthy, I will get off this game and just take the juice loss. Um, For my answer here, uh, I mentioned my little tidbit there about the Eagles secondary with Brian Lewis in the previous segment. The Eagles secondary is giving up 88 yards per game to opposing teams wide receiver one. Uh, So certainly that lends itself to C.D. Lamb having himself another big time game. In addition to that, you have uh, just a really rough stretch recently for the Eagles here in terms of tough, competitive uh, physical games. Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers and Cowboys again. Also, interestingly enough, since week eight, Philadelphia ranks 28th in sack rate at just 4.4% and 27th in total sacks with just 10. So their hot start has kind of slowed down a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Conversely, Dak is playing really, really efficient football right now. And this game is also at home where they have just been completely rolling at this point in time. So I'm on the Cowboys as well. The- yeah, I'll just add one more thing to that. You know, also, Brandon Cooks has been much more involved in this offense in recent games. He has. Uh, the masses are on the Cowboys side of things at 59% of the vote. Eagles sitting at 41%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Tossing this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, Bob caught up with Bob Nightingale of USA Today to talk about Shohei Otani and where Bob thinks that he is going to play in 2024. So the question here is, which team is best fitting for Shohei Otani, the Dodgers, the Giants, or the Blue Jays? Uh, are the options and um, you know if he loves LA then you'd have to think that staying in LA with the Dodgers makes the most sense here Um, and then in addition to that here the Dodgers are a team that are always contending so he slides right in with an opportunity to contend and be on a contending team also you know we know he's not going to pitch in 2024 so his services will be exclusively at the plate for some time he'd be surrounded by some really good hitters to make a pretty tough lineup whereas some of these other teams he's coming in you know, obviously Vlad Guerrero Jr. with the Blue Jays, but especially with the Giants, he would be the main uh, go-to bat for the team. Um, I'm going to go with with the Dodgers here. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the Dodgers too, and uh, largely because you know Bob Nightingale was on you know almost the same time last year as during the winter meetings a year ago, and uh, that's the first time I ever heard and anybody that you know is you know, is in the know uh, that mentioned Otani and the Dodgers then, and uh, certainly that was a you know, mention of the trade deadline, and it seems to be. Uh, you know, I think I think that's still the favorite, but you know the Blue Jays are clearly making a push here. So it just seems to be, according to the reports in the last two or three days, uh, it seems to be between those two teams, and the Giants are kind of left holding the bag again, the bag of cash, which they can't find anybody to take that big bag of cash. Maybe that'll be Cody Bellinger if uh, Otani does not land in San Francisco. The masses are on the Blue Jays' side of things at 65.2% of the vote. Dodgers sitting at 24.1%, and the Giants at 10.7% of the vote. That is KDOS1060.com. We'll wrap things up on the other side of the break of this Friday, December 8th edition of Extra Point. The Suns play tonight. Also, uh, U of A men's basketball, ASU men's basketball play on Saturday. And if we have some time in the final segment, we had discussed it in yesterday's show. Uh, Matt Verderame of SA.com put together his uh, top quarterbacks heading into week 14. And we had gotten through one through 13 yesterday, 13 being where Kyler Murray was. Bob was curious about some of the quarterbacks 14 and beyond just to see how he thought they stacked up. So if we have some time, we'll dive into that on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Final segment of today's Extra Point on this Friday, December 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. It's that time once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, uh, plural, uh, MLB Hot Stove Talk with Bob Nightingale from USA Today during the Sports Zone. And then in this hour, our weekly NFL prop bet discussion with Brian Blewis of Pro Football Network. Sound of the day courtesy of Fox, CBS, KLAA, ESPN, Amazon Prime Video, NBC. And also a uh, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 o'clock, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6 tonight. Uh, so as we had discussed Leading into this segment here, if we had some time and we do to get back into it yesterday, a very extensive quarterback conversation. I think it's worth listening to if you missed it yesterday. So podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. But it was inspired by quarterbacks and the quarterbacks in the league and where does Kyler Murray stack up? And then lo and behold, looking through the interwebs and I see Matt Verderame of SI.com has his quarterback rankings heading into week 14. So we went through one through 
through 13, stopped at 13 yesterday because that is where Kyler Murray was ranked in his list. Bob was curious to know some of the quarterbacks that are 14 and beyond and how he thinks they stack up against uh, Kyler Murray. So we'll start there at 14. 14 on the list is Jordan Love, and certainly his last three games in a row have you paying attention, but how do you ignore what we've seen prior to the three games? Yeah, I don't know what to think. That's interesting. He comes up right off the bat. Um, I I need to – how about incomplete? <laughs> Can I say incomplete? Um, I, I'm – I'm, I'm intrigued, especially because he was so good against Kansas City last week, Eve, albeit that Kansas City lost some defensive players in that game who we just talked about with Brian earlier this hour out of this game. Number 15 on his list is uh, Russell Wilson. We had seen what the Broncos were capable of doing in their five-game winning sh- winning stretch there. Russell Wilson's numbers in the red zone, uh, kind of maybe turning the attention more to really the ground game here. He struggled, though, against the Texans. So uh, curious to see this at number 15. Yeah, if it were for this week or for this season, I should say, I'd rather have Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, obviously, if you're looking – Ahead a few years, there's a quite an age difference there. Uh, and actually, yeah, I think that Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray have some similarities, shorter quarterbacks. Wilson has figured out how to survive and thrive in that area. Murray has not. I was going to say that there were plenty of kind of uh... – comparisons to them heading into the draft of the shorter stature uh and you know who kind of i think in his heyday with the seahawks so good at the rollouts so good at the deep moon balls that was russell wilson so curious to see if any of that kind of infiltrates here in the new system for the cardinals with kyler no doubt that Wilson in his best days with the Seahawks, you know, one of the best days is they actually ran the ball with, you know, Lynch and played defense. But when he was at his best, it was a lot of improv stuff. Then number 16 on this list here is Geno Smith. Uh, some critical plays have not happened because of Geno this year. And so I, I think, though, if you look specifically at last week, he was really good in that Dallas game. Yeah, until he had to win the game at the end, and then he sucked again. Uh, I have no interest in Geno Smith. I think think he's a one-year wonder, and that was last year. The rest of his career has been mediocre or worse. Uh, uh, I'm not a big Kyler Murray fan, but I would much rather have Kyler Murray short-term, long-term, any-term than Geno Smith. Uh, And this is the one I want to make sure we get to because this is your guy, Sam Howell. I know you're really high on him. To me, I feel like it's kind of incomplete that a lot of it seems to be sometimes empty yards. Uh, He needs a better offensive line as well with 58 sacks and maybe just the entirety of the situation doesn't seem great. It's a mess. I mean, you know, the coaching staff is, you know, Ron Rivera is one of the worst coaches in the NFL, and that's been going on for years, yet he's still employed. Uh, but I think Sam Howe, and I said this when he came out of North Carolina, is a chance to be a really good NFL quarterback. And I think considering everything around him, he's been a really good quarterback this season. 
The Suns, they host the Kings tonight. That's 7 p.m. on 3TV. When you're looking at the NBA in-season tournament action, the Pacers beat the Bucks 128-119 to last night. Tyrese Halliburton hitting that dagger three, doing game time celebration on the Las Vegas court. The Lakers cruising uh, against the Pelicans 133-89. to Those two teams, the Pacers and the Lakers, square off tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. on ABC. U of a men's basketball hosting Wisconsin tomorrow at 1.15 p.m. on ESPN. ASU at San Diego at 8.30. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend.